Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast with myself and the incredible Dr. Terry Mack. Right before we started recording this episode, we were having a conversation about how so many people today are interested in building deep, real, transformative, caring, kind relationships with people around them. People want to find their partner. They want to find the one. They want to find their soulmate. But a lot of people just aren't getting there. We started to discuss how in today's world of social media, you just have to open your Instagram or your TikTok to be made to be feel less than. There are some of the most attractive men and women out there on social media who look ways that we could never look. And what we were talking about is how the more and more that we focus on these people around us and these people themselves put out these messages about themselves, that we're losing the most important foundations of a relationship, which is a real true connection to yourself. Dr. Terry, what are your thoughts on this superficial type of love that we maybe are seeing today more than ever before? It is one of my biggest pet peeves. So I'm so happy we're talking about it. Because like you said, I look at all these, you know, beautiful people, people that have been on reality dating shows or influencers and their social media is all about perfect hair, the perfect clothes, perfect lashes, perfect makeup application. And these people I know want to find that really connection, that divine relationship. And here's the thing, it's never gonna happen the way they're going about it. And I wish I could tell everybody that because when you just focus on perfecting the external and you think that's how you're going to attract this person that's going to be in a long-term committed beautiful relationship with you you're wrong because when we only focus on the external we're we are not cultivating the internal world that ultimately attracts the right person that makes us interesting the wisdom the self-awareness all of these things that we need to focus on in order to attract a partner that resonates with all of that. We're going to keep attracting partners that are interested mostly in how we look, if that's what we're mostly focused. Wow, you are so right. And I think there's a couple of places that we can go here. But the first one is that it ties back to the concept that if we have an underlying belief that we need to earn love or be a certain way to achieve or to be given love, that often that shows up in the world in an expectation that we look a certain way. So when I was younger, or particularly in my 20s, and actually, let's take this back one step further, because I have a story here that I've never shared on the podcast, and I've never shared with you. But when I was at school, my very best friend was the pretty one. Okay, she was so pretty. She was so athletic. She would do all of the sports for her country. She was like exceptional athlete, exceptional. She had an amazing body. 
And she was also very pretty. So as her best friend, her partner in crime, her sidekick, I think I learned from being friends with her subconsciously that I was not the pretty one. I was, I wouldn't say the ugly one. I don't think I took it on as being the ugly one, but I think that when the friend of yours is the one that's constantly getting all the attention and you're sat there in a group of people and all the guys are looking at her and talking to her, you do sit there and you do internalize that slightly, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I learned from a young age that, oh, I'm not the prettiest and I have to try if I want to be prettier. And I think that then has also set the foundations of a lifelong relationship with my body, which is that, oh, I need to be skinnier to be pretty or me to be more athletic to be pretty. So I think it's really interesting that we're touching upon this, that when we focus on the external and the outside, we're ignoring what's on the inside. And then I think that these social media people just make that worse because you then look at them and you're like, how do you even look like that? That is not real. And then you feel like maybe I should get fillers. Maybe I should get Botox. Maybe I should get all these things. And I don't have any of those things. And I cannot tell you how much of a back and forth it constantly is when I'm like, oh, maybe I should just get lip fillers or maybe I should get some Botox to stop whatever. And I like to think again, no shade to anyone that has any work done because I've done Botox and stuff in the past. And if that's your decision, that is fine. But I come at it now from more of a place like, am I happy with who I am and where I am? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, that's the, that's the, the essence of you, the magic that attracts another person, right? If you're just attracting someone on how you look, it hasn't got legs for the long haul, has it? No. And I also think it depends on who you're surrounding yourself with, because if you are used to being in groups of people that are mainly focused on the external and the superficial, and that's what you talk about, that's as deep as you go with them. It's about how you look and looking amazing. Then you're not There's nobody there who's going to be interested in your internal and you're not even interested in your internal. So when you make the decision, listen, I'm going to look in there and I'm going to cultivate beauty in there. I'm going to find out what other gifts I have to offer. It's not all about my external appearance. You're going to start to meet people who resonate with that. Mm. And I don't think there's anything wrong. Like for instance, I have Botox, just full transparency, but that's, That's just a personal decision. It's certainly different than somebody who's focused on perfecting their external and they haven't done any of that internal work. Yeah, you're so right. We're not talking about the little bits here and there. We're talking about like an intense focus on what the outside of us looks like at the expense of what is on the inside. I think some of us feel that's where our worth is. If we can just get it right, if we can just perfect, if we get the perfect eyelashes, the perfect hair, but that's not sustainable. And again, you're just going to attract somebody who expects perfection and probably lacks that deepness and realness and authenticity for themselves. Oh, you're so right. And I think I've definitely experienced both sides of this coin, which is that In my 20s, I really cared about what the people looked like that I was dating. And I think that I looked the best I ever had done. And I was super skinny and on the outside was the most attracted I'd ever been or most attractive I thought I'd ever been. Because actually now I think I'm the most attractive I've ever been because I'm full of love and life and wisdom and understanding how deep 
connections. But in my 20s, I had none of that self-awareness. So I just was in the gym all the time. It mattered what I looked like. I was partying on the weekend. And the people that I was dating, I would actively date like models, very successful, sometimes very well-known models that have huge Instagram followings. And I felt like I remember that there's this one guy, when we hooked up, I genuinely felt like I'd made it. And the ironic thing is now I am so far out of that and seeing how unable he was to connect with me emotionally or have any substance whatsoever. I've also seen that, and this is the T right here, is that he's had a girlfriend for the last five years and he still messages me all the time saying, I'm thinking about you or yeah, when are you coming to LA or whatever? And Actually, that reaction that you just did, the ugh, I feel exactly the same way. I'm like, ugh, disgusting. I don't want anything to do with you. But I'm telling this story because in my 20s, it felt like I'd hit the pinnacle of my dating career, that someone like that would choose me, would validate me. And now I'm like, no, validation does not come from the attractiveness level of the person that is choosing you because nothing in life is about being chosen. Yes. And your values have changed since then. Like you value this connection and transparency and authenticity and self-work and all the integrity, all these really beautiful tools and gifts that people who are doing the work have. Back then, you didn't even know what those things were. You were somewhat superficial. So it felt like a match. But now you're like, that isn't even close to being enough, which is awesome. Yeah, you're so right. And I think that my with my ex-boyfriend, it was almost like the culmination of all of that work came to a head. When I met him, as we discussed previously, there was sparks there like between us, but it wasn't that physical. Oh my goodness, like man is so hot. I fancy that man so much. Like I'm really into him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that at all. And we initially were friends as we got to know each other and as we got to share the darker parts of our life and our traumas and what we've gone through. And then it transitioned. We crossed the boundary into a romantic relationship and then it transitioned into the most powerful transformative relationship ever because it was a safe vehicle with someone who was self-aware, intelligent, honest, had integrity, was non-judgmental. The non-judgment piece, I think, was ultimately the most healing piece about that relationship because I entered into this relationship with a huge amount of judgment to myself judgment of what I gone through, judgment of who I was, judgment of everything. Mm -hmm. And he held a space with no judgment. Like I literally could have told him something awful and it would not have even really wobbled him. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we get when we focus on the external and in these social media worlds is the opposite. Everything is judgment. And I found true love Mm -hmm. in a space of non-judgment. So... Judgment doesn't exist in love. There is no judgment in love. And all that external shit doesn't matter. Without the internal, it's all pointless. It's not sustainable. It's empty. And it's never going to keep you happy. Yeah, you are so right. What I would love is just to take one of these like beautiful women that really wants a relationship 
She's got millions of followers. She's posting all these incredibly gorgeous pictures. And I know what's going on behind the scenes is that she's getting all kinds of messages. She's probably meeting people. And these relationships don't go anywhere because she's not attracting the right type of person because she's not resonating there yet. Mm. And, And help her do the inner work and shift entirely the kind of people she's meeting and the the way that she's showing up. You're so right. And I think that when you start to do this work, it becomes very clear to see who are the people that are sitting in their judgment phase or who are in the, oh, it just matters what you look like on the outside. Like I've come across a couple of people here. And like you said, I am all one for getting dressed up. Like I love getting dressed up. We're not saying don't take care of yourself. We're not saying don't like learn to love how you look and and care about how you dress and and all of that stuff. That is not what we're saying. That is a huge part of this. And actually that is a massive part of me feeling, feeling really sexy is when I get dressed up and I know that I feel attractive. So I know that my man feel that as well. Mm. But what it is now for me is that I need to be able to connect with you on a deeper level. I need to be able to talk to you about what do you stand for? What do you care about? What triggers you? What makes you feel love? Like yesterday with the guy that I'm dating at the moment, we were having a conversation around what is love? Like Mm. such an abstract discussion to have because I genuinely was like questioning whether I've even been in love before, because when you start to think about what love is, you then realize that love isn't attachment and isn't needing someone. And we were having that discussion and you can't, I couldn't have that discussion in a nightclub with someone. So I think my question for you is if someone's listening to this and they feel like, yeah, I really, I really resonate with this. I really want to connect with someone and be able to go deep with them. Mm-hmm. Where do they start? Where should they be looking for people? Where should they be actively and consciously dating? And I know that it starts with yourself. Well, I think it's not about looking in a different place, you know, to meet someone. It means you have internal work to do. Get a therapist, get a coach. You could start reading books. But ultimately, you have to start getting curious about why do I do the things I do? What are the old scripts running my life? You know, why is it that I am so focused on the external? Why haven't my relationships worked out? You really need to start in a very loving and compassionate way. Be curious about yourself, your patterns and what your work is. And I say this all the time, like, all these dating coaches sometimes are like, you've got to go here to meet people. You've got to go here. You can meet someone in the grocery store. Ultimately, you're never going to meet a damn person unless you have the right energy and you're resonating on the right vibration and you're going to attract exactly what you are. And if your sole purpose is to look for someone, you're never going to find them. Yeah, I agree with that totally. And Going off on a bit of a tangent here. So I read a scientific journal last week that basically said that our nervous systems communicate outwards with other nervous systems around them. This article was saying if you are emanating specific feelings, then other people will feel them in their nervous system. So to attract someone that is healthy, conscious and regulated, you and your nervous system need to be functioning in a safe and regulated manner. And so I think it's really interesting 
what you say there that everyone's out there trying to date, trying to find people, trying to pick people. But if you are not coming into this process intentionally, you are going to be out there just almost either pulling the wrong people towards you or pushing the right people away. So I love that. And I also love what you say about starting with doing the work yourself, because I have exponentially seen a change in the people that I've attracted since I've started doing the work. And I actually put a TikTok out last week that like 300,000 people have now watched, which is crazy saying that basically don't even start to think about dating, you know, for the long haul until you understand your attachment style, your love languages, what your caregivers demonstrated love to you to be in childhood, what your communication style is, what your conflict style is, just silly things like that, that there are things that people can really actively go and get into here, right? Like people feel, oh, it's a mountain. I don't know where to start. And what I feel like is it's very easy to break these things down. And obviously a therapist or a coach will be able to help you do that. And I know that you also are amazing at doing this in the relationship readings that you offer. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how they work. And if someone doesn't know how to start that journey with themselves, why a relationship reading might be a good thing for them. Yeah. I've been a psychologist for over 20 years. And at this point in my career, I'm just impatient. I don't want to sit with people and let them come to their own conclusions. And I happen to to have been given this gift now with my experience. So basically somebody who gets a relationship reading fills out this worksheet that I developed to talk. It covers everything from childhood, relationships, self-view, all of those things. And then you give it to me and I will synthesize and analyze all that information. And I will tell you exactly what your unconscious attraction is, how you're pushing love away and what your areas of work are and what it looks like to shift and change and heal those areas. It's really a roadmap. Like, okay, this is why your relationships haven't worked out. This is the fears that are running these old patterns. And this is how you shift into something new and meet better people and resonate with those people. I like to do that because some people don't know where to start and time is a precious resource. So if I can see for you what you can't see in an hour, that's what I love to do. So it's a great place to start. I love that. And anyone listening, you should definitely go and do one of these with Dr. Terry. And if you quote open house, you'll get a little discount on them and they are truly powerful and transformative. So I can't wait to hear how that goes for people. And just taking it back to the core of the episode, you're hot, so what? I just want to go on a slightly different tangent here, which is the same concept, but maybe it being less about physical appearance and maybe being more about money, for example. Mm -hmm. I get it, right? In today's life, we would all love to have lots of money. It would make life easier. You could do more things, et cetera, et cetera. But for some people, I feel like they are defined by the things they own or the money that they have. And now this for me feels like an extension of the, you know, the the visual, what you look like thing. Talk me through what's going on when someone either feels like they are validated by being rich or by owning all of these things, or what's going on when someone is like really attracted to someone that has all of these things, being super open and transparent. My last two relationships have been not about the money, not about the stature, not about the apartments. If anything, I've actually made more money than both of them. So 
I am always fascinated by the people that are always reaching outwards for the rich man, the rich woman, et cetera, et cetera. Oh my God, where do I start with this? It's just another external thing that people get focused on and they're foregoing what they really want and need. And again, it's another external factor that people put in front of all these things that actually make us happy. Deep connection, self-awareness, connection with other people, being authentic, showing up as our full selves. That is what brings joy. That alignment brings joy into our life. But a lot of us have been told it's money. And a lot of times when we're focused on dating people with money, it's because we want to be rescued. It's because we want to feel safe. But a lot of times what happens in those relationships is there's a huge power differential. The person with the money has the power. The person who doesn't have as much money feels indebted or they don't have as much autonomy or power in the relationship. So it doesn't work. Wow. That's so interesting because this is something that one of my best friends has experienced. And as she grew up, her mom always told her, you need to get a man that takes care of you. And she's now trying to unpick that um, belief system that she's been indebted with, which is that she has to be with a rich and successful man because that really impacts like the people you will date because every, I can only imagine that every single person that you will match with on a dating app, you're thinking, what do you do? You know, how much money do you make? Which is instantly just detracting from the reality, like you said, is the deep connection, the self-awareness, the emotional intimacy. And I have learned firsthand that the most deep and transformative love that I have ever experienced has come from the man that is not the richest man in the world. And he's not the supermodel of the group. But I loved him more than I would ever love that supermodel. And I'd love him more than I'd ever love the rich businessman that wouldn't give me the time of day because this man taught me what true emotional intimacy, true connection, true love. And again, we're not generalizing and saying that you can't have those things with a supermodel or with a very successful businessman. I'm sure that there are some out there that you can, but Mm -hmm. on the whole, taking and stripping back those external metrics of external validation, the visuals, the success, the money, the stature, the cars. That's where I think that a lot of today's society is going wrong. I love what you said about the safety though, because that's not something that I have experienced firsthand because I come from a fairly well-off family where money scarcity and that kind of thing is not something that I have firsthand experienced. And I'm also very safe in my own career. So it's not something that I personally have a fear around. But it is very interesting to hear and think and see about how some people will be looking to almost attach to and cling on to a partner that can take care of them, that can look after them, that can provide them with the safety, the stability, the money, the financial safety that maybe they haven't experienced. And if someone listening resonates with that, what kind of advice would you give them? And this this is maybe more complex than some of the stuff we talk about, because money is like a is like a really difficult thing. Yeah. The problem is when we make decisions out of fear, we always end up creating the very thing we're afraid of, where you're looking to someone to save you or rescue you or help you feel safe. The fear is I'm going to wind up alone. I can't support myself. I'm not safe. 
So if you feel unsafe and therefore you're seeking somebody with money to help you feel safe and secure, you may end up in a relationship where you are financially secure, but ultimately that power differential and that dependency is going to leave you feeling unsafe. That's what I see over and over again. When a lot one person has money, the other person feels dependent on that. They don't feel like they have as much of a voice. They don't feel like they could ever leave. They don't have the same power or freedom in the relationship. They end up feeling unsafe. It doesn't work. You're better off understanding why do looking at those old scripts and stories, why do I feel afraid? Why do I not trust myself that I can take care of myself? What old stories am I replaying here that's telling me I need to find someone with money? Wow. Yeah. This is amazing and very eye-opening session here. And I think just tying it back to what we were talking about at the beginning, as we start to come towards the end of the episode, I'm always fascinated by how people who focus on the physical attraction Mm. ever really think that the relationship is going to last forever in the way that it is when it starts. Because I have watched my friends firsthand around me have babies. Okay. And Mm -hmm. I have seen how their bodies have changed and rightly so they have done the most beautiful thing ever, which is growing and birthing a child. What in the world is more powerful or beautiful than that? But their bodies have changed totally. And the second that they have the baby, they don't care about their body anymore. They are keeping a baby alive. They are trying to battle their own mental health postpartum. They have lack of sleep, whatever they've got going on, going to the gym and what their body looks like for the vast majority, the like last thing on their list. And I always think, I wonder about the people that are in relationships where the husband like literally only cares what their trophy girlfriend looks like. I think how awful that must be. They must be having elective cesareans so they can do X, Y, Z and they won't breastfeed because they don't want to do X, Y, Z. And again, no shame to any of these things. We're just talking about the pressure that some people might feel if they are in a relationship where it is solely driven by their external metrics. Like they should be being loved for who they are rather than what they look like. Our external appearance is going to change over time. Always we're going to age, we're going to get older, but the magic that's in us and who we are as people, if that wasn't part of the connection to begin with, then your relationship is going to be on really shaky ground. Yeah. And that's for me is why I always say being able to get inside here, inside my head, If you can stimulate this, you will stimulate everything like that mental connection for me, the ability to go deep, the ability to talk about your feelings, the ability to analyze life, where you've been, where you are now, where you want to go, what's important to you. If we can have that conversation, you've got this body on lockdown. Like it's, it is yours because Mm -hmm. most people cannot get inside here for me. So -hmm. when you can, it's like a, yeah, this is good. I could do this for the rest of my life with you. I know that when I do, they will not be looking at what's on the outside, but hopefully that will just be an added benefit. So unless there's anything else you want to cover today, I think that we should just do a little roundup because we've covered a lot of territory. And I think what I've taken from today's episode is that true emotional connection and love comes from vulnerability, 
communication, the metrics that are on the inside of us, our values, what we stand for, who we are. And when we become clear on those, we can then attract someone else who is similar or on the same page. And then together you can build something beautiful. Um, And for the people out there that are really so very worried about what their partner looks like or what their partner is wearing or how much money they're making, I think that what we've learned today is that's just a little alarm bell to say that there's some internal fears that are still being held by this person that are playing out in the external 3D world. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, perfectly said. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was definitely a, a different a different type of episode today. And it, again, it really got my, it got my mind really stimulated as we went into some of these things. So thank you for that. I think this was a very interesting and poignant episode. So thank you for all you always bring to the table. And we will be back next week with more. So if you enjoyed this episode, please do reach out to both of us. If you're interested in a relationship reading, please do reach out to Dr. Terry directly. We'll put information on that in the show notes of the episode. If there is anything you would in particular like us to cover, please reach out and let us know. And if you would be so kind, please do go and follow and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, and give us a rating. We would be very grateful so we can continue to spread therapy to everyone around us who needs it the most. Thank you, Dr. Terry. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hey friends, Louise here, and I just wanted to drop in with a quick message and a final episode recap, because after I edited that podcast, I felt like there was another area in the podcast that we could have gone into deeper. And that was how the foundations of the metrics that we assess ourselves on or look for in another partner are often set in childhood. So take me, for example, I remember my childhood at school, even though I was super happy, being focused a lot around goal oriented metrics, like what grades I was getting or a pressure to get good grades or even the best grades or pressure in a competitive environment around how good you were at sport or what team you were picked for. For example, I remember being made gymnastics captain or being scouted to go to the county lacrosse trials and I felt so validated by both of these things. And this continued into my teenage years. The need to get straight A's at school and in my A-levels, then the need or the pressure to get into Durham and to get into one of the best colleges. It then continued into adulthood, the need or the pressure to qualify as a lawyer, to get a training contract, to be chosen by a good firm. And then later in my 20s, it showed up in the way that I ran my business, i.e. the business always had to be bigger or better, make more money, hire more clients and hire more employees. What this meant is that I also took this mentality into my relationships and I really did not realize how insanely destructive this was. So it didn't show up when I was in relationships with people who were of the same level of ambition or I guess pushiness that I was. But if my partners weren't pushing the way that I was, I felt like they were lazy. And if they weren't achieving, I felt like they were less than. And this power dynamic became super unhealthy and was probably one of the reasons that some of my relationships deteriorated. Looking back, I don't think I ever just took a moment to just stop and fully appreciate myself for exactly who I was. And so I think this trickled into my romantic relationships too. 
for me, when I started to look into this behavior around why do I always feel the need that I have to push harder or to look better or to be skinnier or to make more money, it very clearly tied back to what I was taught in childhood. And what I've realized is that I don't think that in today's society, we teach children how absolutely beautiful, lovable, exceptional and worthy they are just the way they are as children and because of this we're children that grow up into adults who look outside of us to external metrics to give us our worth learning in childhood either consciously or subconsciously that you need to be the best or that you need to be better or that you aren't the best can have a lot of follow-on impacts later in life and i don't think that we have the family structures and units generally across the board that are offsetting these pressures that we internalize and I for one have definitely dealt with the repercussions of that. So now as someone who's very much doing the work I'm starting to understand the importance of teaching my own inner child as well as hopefully my future children how much they are worthy of love no matter what grades they get, what they look like or what sports teams they get picked for. So for me, I think a really interesting place to end this episode is to see which areas of this episode resonated with you the most. Is it that you feel that you need to look a certain way or that you need to be a certain weight or is it that you need to make a certain amount of money or you need to have a life that looks a certain way? I think it's really good to ask yourself, do I have memories of my caregivers telling me that I was lovable and worthy just as I was or did this just go unsaid throughout your childhood? On the other end of the spectrum, it's good to understand, did you have caregivers that were actively very pushy, making you feel like you were going to be a failure if you did didn't hit certain metrics. To some extent, I believe that these things are temperament and personality led, but I do also think that as adults and as caregivers, we have a responsibility to the next generation to communicate to them how very worthy and lovable they are without the silent pressures that society and social media puts on them to be prettier, to be better, or to be smarter. So my final point in today's episode is that it's okay if you have these belief systems and it's okay okay if they show up in your day-to-day life or in your relationships and the expectations that you put on others. To some extent, we've all been told at some point, consciously or subconsciously, that we need to be a certain way to find the right type of partner or to be loved. And for me, what I have realized is going back to the root and the basis of where these fears and stories were put down and conditioned is how you can start to unravel them. What I'm learning today is that I am absolutely just enough the way that I am. I'm not too much. I'm not not enough and I don't have to fight for love and care and respect. So I hope that if you take one thing from today's episode, it's that you are just enough the way you are too. And yes, it's okay for us to want to change things about ourselves or to work on ourselves to make us more healthy, but this should never ever be coming from a punitive lack based mindset anyway that's enough for me today so i'm just going to say that i love you guys i'm so grateful for you listening this was definitely a little bit of a different episode to the ones we've normally done please do message me if you enjoyed this and check back next week we are checking in with an incredible episode on what it's like to live with an anxious attachment style or what it's like to be in a relationship with someone that has one there's a ton of juicy takeaways from next week's episode and a lot of vulnerability 
vulnerability from me. So I think that you guys will enjoy it. Anyway, with lots and lots of love, always and forever, I'll see you next week.